Today I'd like you to turn with me, if you would, first of all, to the book of Proverbs, chapter 6. And in a moment, we're going to read from there. Proverbs chapter 6, but I'm going to be reading today mostly from the New Living Translation. Uh, instead of the NIV, I usually use the New International Version, but today I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. So it might be a little bit different from what you have today, but I want you to just stay with me if you would. Praise the Lord. Today I want to preach a message entitled, Wake Up and Obey Me. Wake up and obey me. Now I have to go back to the inspiration for this message. It actually was several years ago. I remember uh, one Saturday afternoon, uh, my wife and I were exhausted. I can't remember exactly what it was that we were doing. And it was just shortly after Jamie, our oldest daughter, had turned two. And we were trying to put her down for a nap. Uh, usually she was pretty good about it, but on this particular day, she was in no mood for a nap. And of course, my wife and I, of all days, that day, we wanted to nap. So I went into Jamie's room and I picked her up and brought her to our bed and thought, you know, I'll just set her down in between us and maybe she'll just, you know, snuggle in as she's done that before. Maybe she'll just kind of snuggle in between us and lay her head down and she'll go to sleep. But she just kind of sat there and talked and talked and talked. And I thought, well, maybe I can fall asleep even though she's talking. And so, you know, I, I laid my head down. I put my head in, on the pillow and I closed my eyes and thought, you know, I'm going to be able to handle it. I, can, I think I can fall asleep. All of a sudden, I hear this little voice say to me, Wake up, Daddy. Obey me. <laughs> and I opened my eyes, and I obeyed. And I realized a nap for both my wife or I was not going to happen on this particular day. But it was a little bit of a comical experience, cute. But what she said was really quite biblical. In fact, the Bible lets us know that on occasion, we fall into a particular mode of sleepiness. Now, we know that physical sleep is necessary for you to live. You need sleep. Your body needs that rest. That's why oftentimes you will find new parents. They, you know, they, they'll talk about the fact that when they got married, they were so kind and loving and gentle, and after a while... When a new baby comes along, all of a sudden they, they, at least my wife and I have said this to each other, we said, you know, we got so mean when we had our baby. And we love our babies. But, you know, you, the lack of sleep, the sleep deprivation, it can hit you. It can make you think you're just going to lose your mind. But sleep for the physical body is essential. But you need to recognize this, that sleep spiritually brings about certain death. There is no way, brothers and sisters, that we as Christians can afford to fall asleep spiritually, especially in the day and age that we are living in. We're living in a time where what God really needs is he needs people who are on fire, who are aware of people around them beyond the fact that they're people who are in your way. God has called us 
as believers to be wide awake in our generation. And God, I believe, desires for each and every one of us to be so alert and so awake that we will be willing to do what the Word of God tells us to do. Now, there are three things that I believe God desires us to do as we wake up to Him out of some kind of a spiritual malaise that we have sort of settled into. And the first thing that God desires us to do is this. He desires us to wake up and listen to his word. Now I want you to hear that. He wants us to wake up and listen to his word. Sleep makes you unresponsive to the word of God. It makes you unresponsive. Proverbs chapter 6. Trust that you're there. The Bible says this. But you, now I'm reading from the New Living Translation. But you, lazy bones, how long will you sleep? When will you wake up? I want you to learn this lesson. Notice this. When you're asleep, you can't learn a lesson. You say, well, what about when I dream, Pastor? All right, technicalities, technicalities. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when you are so dead to the world that you, nothing can move you. They could, they could bulldoze half your house and you still wouldn't wake up. You are in a sleep. The, the kind of spiritual sleep that people often fall into is so very dangerous that God is not able to teach you what he wants to teach you. The Bible lets us know that we need to wake up and listen to his word. He says, how long will you sleep? When will you wake up? I want you to learn this lesson. Now listen, sleep threatens the effects of the word. It threatens the effects of the word. So often we fall into some kind of a spiritual sleep. And unbelief is not far behind. We get a little lazy when it comes to reading our Bibles, when it comes to prayer, when it comes to doing what it is that we know is right, even being in the fellowship of other believers, we, we, we sort of get a little bit lazy about it and we think, eh, no big deal, I'm not going to worry about that so much. You know, God understands I've got other stuff to do, I've, I'm really busy in life, I can't read my Bible today, I can't pray today, I'm a little depressed today, and all of a sudden, somewhere along the way, not far behind, this little mode of sleepiness that we begin to fall into, unbelief comes knocking on the door in the form of a serpent that says, did God really, really say and all of a sudden, we begin to doubt what God has said. We begin to doubt the word of the Lord. Listen, God has a lesson for us. We've got to wake up and begin to listen to the word of the Lord. Now, turn over in your Bibles, if you would, to the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews. Just head right in your Bible. Book of Hebrews. And let's go to Hebrews chapter 4, and there are three verses of Scripture that I want to look at today. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. Hebrews 4, 1 through 3. And again, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. The Bible says this, God's promise 
of entering his place of rest, God's place of rest, not a spiritual kind of malaise, not a laziness, but a genuine spiritual rest that God gives. Now, it says that promise still stands. So we ought to tremble with fear that some of you might fail to get there. For this good news that God has prepared a place of rest has been announced to us just as it was to them. Now notice what happens. But it did them no good because they did not believe what God told them. For only we who believe can enter his place of rest. As for those who didn't believe, God said in my anger, I made a vow. They will never enter my place of rest, even though his place of rest has been ready since he made the world. You see, instead of the the kind of a sleepiness that tunes God out, God has a place of rest for you in him that tunes you into him. That says, I've got something in store for you. But unbelief keeps you from believing and keeps you from accepting and taking hold of the word of the Lord. I've got something good that is planned for you by faith. But the Bible says here that they heard the word. The word wasn't mixed with faith. And so it did no good for them. Brothers and sisters, it's like this morning. The word of God might do no good for you if you don't accept it by faith. We can look at the Bible, we can read the scripture and find out what it has to say and you can either in your heart agree that that's for you or you can say, no, I don't think that's for me. One way or another, brothers and sisters, it's like Brother David Wilkerson once said, he said that the word of God always has an effect. It either hardens you or it softens you. What's it going to do today? You see, a a kind of a sleep deadens the effect of his word. We get into this mode of life where we say, you know, know, I'm just going to give God my my minimal amount. You know, I'm not going to give God my best. I'm not going to do it. I'm I'm just going to do my thing. And you know what? If I make it to church every now and then, great. And if I read my Bible every now and then, then good. If I pray every now and then, then I'm sure I'll feel better about myself. Listen, listen, brothers and sisters, the point of prayer, the point of reading the word is not so that you and I can get up feeling better about ourselves. It is to touch the hand of God and move the hand of God in your situation and in your difficulty. Listen, we can't afford to go to sleep spiritually because there are great things that God has in store for us. So we look at this. And we realize that what God desires from all of us is he desires that his word would instruct us as to how to live. His word would instruct us as to how to live. Listen to what he says again. I know you've moved away from that, but let me just read it one more time. Proverbs 6 and verse 9. I want you to learn this lesson. The psalmist prayed these words in Psalm 27 and verse 11. Teach me how to live, O Lord. Teach me how to live. How can he teach us if we're asleep? It's impossible. You, you know, you, and, and we hear our teachers. In fact, we have, we have heard 
from the teachers in, in Jamie's school, in, in her, her uh, elementary school. We've gone there, and the teachers constantly say at the beginning of the year, please make sure that your child is fed in the morning, that they have a good breakfast. But they say, more than that, make sure your child goes to bed at a decent hour and that they are rested when they wake up. It's, it's practical experience. You see, the teachers know that they can't teach the lessons to the children if the children are half asleep. If they're alert, they're awake, then their minds are like sponges. But all of it, you know, they stay up till midnight and then they got to wake up at 6 o'clock in the morning like grown-ups sometimes do. Then you're, you're fighting a battle that they're not going to win. And the teachers understand that. God understands the same thing. And the psalmist writes and he says this, teach me how to live, O Lord. We've got to be awake to hear the lesson. And we've got to be awake to get it into our spirit and get it into our heart. You say, you don't understand what I've been through, Pastor. Life hasn't been fair. Troubles have been difficult. Things have been so bad. I just don't know how I can make it. Listen, I understand all that. Life is unfair. But God still has a plan for victory for your life, for my life. And he wants to teach us his word, get it into our spirits. And we can't afford to fall asleep so that that lesson doesn't sink in. Paul reminded Timothy of this. He said this in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verses 16 and 17. He said, all scripture is inspired by God. And here's what it does. It is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It straightens us out and teaches us to do what is right. It is God's way of preparing us in every way, fully equipped for every good thing God wants us to do. This is the importance of being alert to the Word of God. It's so vital that we don't fall asleep, that we can hear the Word of God and we can get it into our spirits. And we can get that into our minds and our hearts. Paul reminded Timothy of the importance of the Word of God in our lives. We've got to have the Word, and the Word's got to get in us. Don't fall for the lie that says, you know what, you don't need to read the Bible. You don't need to hear the Word of God. You don't need to look at what it says. You don't need to do that. You know, you're a Christian by faith. Don't worry about it. You know, you're on your way to heaven. But brothers and sisters, we've got to understand this, that what God desires from every one of us is to get the word on the inside. Get it deep down on the inside. Now, there's a second thing that God desires us to do, and it is to wake up and obey his word. Not just listen to the word, but wake up and obey the word. There are a lot of people listening to the Word. In fact, this is Sunday morning, Sunday morning all across the United States. People are, are, are packing into churches. They're going to hear the Word of God. And somehow they think that hearing the Word of God is enough. That hearing the Word of God will make them holy. That hearing the Word is going to cause them to, to be what God wants them to be. But it goes beyond hearing. We've got to obey. Turn over to Revelation chapter 3 and verse 2. Revelation chapter 3 and verse 2. 
The Bible says this. It says, now wake up, strengthen what little remains. For even what is left at this, at the, what is left is at the point of death. Your deeds are far from right in the sight of God. He says, now wake up and strengthen what little remains. Sleep causes you to be unable to obey the word. Not only can you not hear the word, you can't obey the word. When spiritually we're asleep and we think that somehow we're just going to go through life and we're going to just do our own thing, but in our minds we're going to agree that there's a God. We're going to agree that, you know, you got to you got to believe in God and some of these far out ideas that that sort of give people a sense of of, of false comfort as opposed to coming to faith in Jesus Christ by repenting of their sins, accepting what he did on the cross. They sort of have the idea, you know, I can just do my own thing. And there are people sitting in churches who believe that. They think that that's okay, that's fine. I can just hear a little bit about the Bible. I can learn a little bit about God, but I don't have to do what he says. Because it goes back to, again, we've fallen for the lie that that essentially questions, does God really say that? Did God really mean that? Do you really think he means what he says? In our age of political correctness, we've thrown out the scripture in favor of not, not offending anybody. Brothers and sisters, Jesus offended people left and right. And on one occasion, those who had been following him since his ministry started and then he turned to the immediate 12. Remember that? Turned to the immediate 12 and said, you guys going to go too? Now, Jesus is not about offending. He's about the truth. And the truth always forces out an offense. And the offense sometimes indicates that, listen, we've got to obey the word of God and not just hear it. We've got to do what it says. Sleep robs you of essential Christian quality of obedience. It is an essential Christian quality that you obey. The ultimate proof of whether you are a Christian or not is not necessarily reading your Bible all the time, praying all the time. It is, are you doing what the Word says? You see, there are a lot of people who say, well, I just stay at home and I read my Bible and I pray, but no, I don't make a profession of faith. I don't, I don't you know, try to win anybody to Jesus. I, I don't, you know, I, I go to this club and I go to that club and I go bar hopping here and bar hopping there. If I have a little drink every now and then, who cares? What's the big deal? You know, you were, we're all on our way to heaven. Listen, brothers and sisters, God has called the people to be separate, to be holy. I'm not preaching legalism today. I'm just preaching obedience to the Word of God, that we've got to take the Word of God for what it says and say God actually means it. He actually means it. Jesus said these words, if you love me, obey my commands. If you love me, obey my commands. Oh, I love Jesus. How come you don't obey his commands? How come you're not doing what the Word tells you to do? How come it is that the choices that you make are the choices for your flesh as opposed for the spirit? How come it is that when you decide you're going to do something, you decide it all by yourself apart from God? 
What does the book of James tell us? It says, if God wills, we've got to come to the Lord and say, Lord, in everything that I do, let me obey you. Let me honor you. In fact, speaking of James, James 1 and verse 22 says this. Again, he says, and remember, it is a message to obey, not just to listen to. If you don't obey it, you're fooling yourself. Somebody got the NIV? Read the NIV real quick, real loud. Anyone? Verse 22. James 1, verse 22. Do what it says. You see, God is not just interested in us hearing it, getting it into our heads. He is interested in us getting it down into our hearts where it causes us to live right, to act right, to talk right, to be right, to live in a manner that honors him as opposed to doing whatever it is that we decide to do in life. He wants us to do what the word says. It is a message, the Bible says, to obey. To obey. Obedience... When we do it, we'll bring blessing. You see, Jesus told the church at Sardis in the book of Revelation that they needed to strengthen what remained. The blessing was that he would preserve them rather than letting their light go out. Sometimes we think, you know, I'm just sort of existing on this earth. You better count your blessings that you are. You better thank God for the fact that you woke up breathing today. And that you somehow didn't go to the morning paper, look at it, and realize you're gone. Your obituary's in there. Why is it there? I don't want, I, you know, I know that's silly. But thank God you're alive. You say, I don't have much to thank God for. My life's been a little bit of trouble. I got flooded this past weekend. I've lost a lot of stuff. I, you know, difficulties have happened. The crazy rain, it just, you know, I felt like I had to build an ark in my basement. It was so bad. And I just feel so down and discouraged. Well, listen, look up. Look up, because you know what? He set you free. No flood's going to take that away. No amount of rain is going to wash it all away. He washed your sins away. We've got to thank God for the blessing that we have, because one day we woke up and realized we've got to obey the Word of God that says we've got to put our faith and trust in Christ, and He washed you clean. There's a blessing. There is a blessing. There is a blessing. King Saul got this mixed up. King Saul was told of a certain amount of things. He was to go and completely, the Bible says, destroy the Amalekites. Completely destroy. And, and, and Samuel gave the word. It came from God. He said, you got to get rid of all of them. You get the king, the, the animal, all the animals. Saul looked at all the animals and thought to himself, Hey, that would look good in my, my pasture. All those sheep, all that cattle, that would add to my wealth, the wealth of Israel. He ignored obeying the Word of God because Saul was spiritually asleep. 
He even preserved the king. I never got that. Never understood why he let the king live. Samuel saw to it that the king didn't live. But you remember what, what Saul's response was when Samuel asked him? He said, what's, all, what's, all the, what's with the sheep? I hear all the, she, the sheep. They're, they're bleeding. They're, they're you know, the, the, bah, all the sheep out there. And the moo, and, you know, all the cows. I hear all this stuff. What's going on? What's, thought I told you to get rid of it. Oh, yeah, that. Uh... You can almost see Saul, the wheels turning, you know, a little bit, like trying to think of, I brought them for sacrifice. I brought them for sacrifice. He didn't bring them for sacrifice. He didn't want those for sacrifice. He wanted it for himself. He disobeyed the word of God. He went against the word of God. And instead of blessing on that, on his life, he instead had the kingdom taken from him. You see, he thought he had to preserve all those things for himself. He didn't have to. He needed to obey what the Word of God says. Who knows what I've always wondered, what would have happened if he had simply obeyed the Word of the Lord? If he had actually asked God, Lord, this is your Word, I'm going to obey. I'd like to have that for myself, but I'm not going to. I'm going to do what the Word of God says. I wonder what would have happened with Saul. There are so many examples like that in Scripture. Samson, one of those guys who just completely, he got things messed up. What would have happened if Samson had really, really, totally sold out to the Lord and really given himself to obeying the word of the Lord? What could have been done in and through his life? Saul, if you had only listened. You see, listen to the promise of the Lord in Leviticus. Let me just read it. You don't need to turn there. But Leviticus chapter 18, verses 4 and 5. The Bible says this, You must obey all my regulations and be careful to keep my laws, for I, the Lord, am your God. If you obey my laws and regulations, you will find life through them. I am the Lord. You will find life through them. There are a lot of people who say today, you, you know, you're a Christian. That's, that's such a narrow existence. Such a narrow life. You know, you're missing out on so much. Are you? Because the Bible says that life comes through obedience to the Word of God. Now, we're in the New Testament age. We're not talking about all the, the rules and regulations of the Old Testament under the law. But now this is the age of grace. But obedience to the Word of the Lord is still required. And when we obey the Word of the Lord, we have life. Now, there is a third and final thing that God desires us to do, and it is this. It is to wake up and get to work. Wake up and get to work. Sleep away, uh, makes you unaware of your responsibility. I'm just curious how many have had this happen. You wake up one morning and realize you forgot to set the alarm, and you look at the clock and also realize you're late for work. You overslept. Anybody have that happen? All right, uh, you're with me. We, you, you wake up, realize you're late for work. Now, if you go to work and you have a boss that you answer to, there is a certain element of panic kind of settles into you, right? 
Now, those who are most panic-stricken are those who have made this kind of thing a habit. You're always late to work, and you call your boss. I'm so sorry I'm going to be late. And you hear there's a little bit of silence on the other end. But if you're not in the habit of doing it, your boss might come off, hopefully, with a little bit more understanding about your circumstance and your situation. And they'll say, oh, yeah, no problem. Don't worry about it. We got you covered. Oh, those are wonderful words to hear as you're trying to crawl out of bed and rush and scramble to get to work now that you're already late. You see, while that alarm maybe did or did not go off, you were unaware while you were sleeping of your responsibility. You're asleep. You don't think anything. You're not, you're not, your mind's working for sure, but you're not thinking, I got to go to work. Because you're asleep. You see, the kind of spiritual sleep that I'm talking about here today causes us to be unaware of our responsibility as Christians. God has not called us to fill up pews. I'm glad that you have done so this morning. You've, you've taken your little slice of that pew and you've put yourself there. I'm glad you did. But God has not called us to do that. That's not why. You are a Christian. That is a byproduct. It is one of the things that we do. We come together in this place to worship the Lord. But there's more to it than that. There is more to it than just sort of hearing the Word of God and then obeying things on a daily basis. It is also we've got to work for the kingdom. We've got to obey. We've got to wake up, obey, and get to work. God has a job for you to do. He's got something He has called you to do. He's got a message for you to proclaim. He is the Word for the world, brothers and sisters. And it's up to you and me. He has invested it in you and I. We are the ones to take a message to a lost and a dying world, to bring hope to them, to bring help to them, to let them know that God is in control, that He desires to have a relationship with them. The Bible says this in Isaiah chapter 56. You don't need to turn there, but listen to what it says. We're going to turn to a, a verse of Scripture in Ezekiel in a moment. But in Isaiah 56 and verse 10, For the leaders of my people, the Lord's watchmen, His shepherds, are blind to every danger. They are silent watchdogs that give no warning when danger comes. They love to lie around sleeping and dreaming. Notice that. And this is, as the Bible says, Israel's or the Lord's watchmen. Ignoring responsibility can be dangerous. You know that in life, you know that if you, you, know, you call up and phone into work too many times that you're going to be late, the, the boss just might say to you, you know what, why don't you roll right back over and go back to sleep and don't bother coming back. It can be dangerous. 
Ignoring your responsibility in life can be dangerous. It's the same way in the kingdom. Ignoring your spiritual responsibility to wake up and obey and get to work. For us to work in the kingdom, it can be a very dangerous thing. Those who had the responsibility to be alert and awake, to be able to perceive a coming day of judgment, they were blind to the danger because the Bible says they love to lie around sleeping and dreaming. They said, you know what? I'd rather be asleep. What's scary about this is that it was the Lord's watchmen, those who should have been awake, those who had been called to be alert, though had been called to be awake in the world that they were living in, they were dead asleep. God has called us as Christians, me as a pastor, you as lay people in the pews. He has called all of us to be alert and be awake because, brothers and sisters, there is a day of judgment coming. There is a time that is coming where all of mankind is going to stand before the Lord and they're going to have to answer to God, a holy God, a righteous God, and yes, a loving God, but they're still going to have to answer to him. There is an impending judgment. It's dangerous for any of us to fall asleep. I've said this before and I keep saying it. Our job as Christians is to take as many people to heaven with us as we possibly can. That's our role. That's what God has called us to do. When, God, when Jesus was standing there with the disciples right before he ascended into heaven, he said, go into all the world and make disciples. He didn't mean force them to become disciples. But he said, make them disciples. In other words, would they agree, you, your responsibility is now bring them along so that they can follow Christ, they can know me, and they can know more about me, and they can know me better. Paul says, and Paul said in Ephesians chapter 3, in verse 17, he tells us he desired that all may know him better. We, we all need to have that burning within our hearts. Not only that I would know him better, but the world would know him better. Ignoring our responsibility can be dangerous. Turn over to Ezekiel chapter 33 and verse, verse 3, reading down through to verse 6. Let's read what God says to Ezekiel and how important our responsibility and fulfilling our responsibility really is. The Bible says this. When the watchman sees the enemy coming, he blows the alarm to warn the people. Then if those who hear the alarm refuse to take action, well, it is their own fault if they die. They heard the warning but wouldn't listen. So the responsibility is theirs. If they had listened to the warning, they could have been saved. They could have saved their lives. But... If the watchman sees the enemy coming and doesn't sound the alarm to warn the people, he is responsible for their deaths. They will die in their sins, but I will hold the watchman accountable. Brothers and sisters, we are his watchmen. As Christians, as believers in Christ, as followers of Christ, we are his watchmen. We have a responsibility 
to lift up the name of Jesus, to lift Christ higher, brothers and sisters, and in so doing, opening up a way for people to escape from that impending judgment, the judgment that one day will come. There is a way of escape. God is not unfair. God has made every provision possible for mankind to escape judgment, and it's called the cross. The cross has made the way. It has paved the way for mankind to make his way out of a life of sin and into a life of victory and holiness and eventually eternal life in him. We have a responsibility as watchmen to wake up, obey, and get to work. The Bible lets us know in many, many ways that our responsibility is simply as a Christian to work to work. This can be defined within your talents and abilities. Some of you have talents, you have abilities, you have things that you can offer to God that you sit on and don't do much with. There are things that you could do for the Lord. Say, well, those things, maybe I'm using them, maybe I'm not. You might be using those talents for the Lord, but there are times even where God wants to bring you into something new. He wants to bring you into something different. He wants to bring you into a place that you never thought or ever dreamed you could do before. Now, we know in this church we've had a lot of people grow into things that they never dreamed they could do. And you'll forgive me for using uh, this example again, but I think of Julian who plays the drums here. And I think about the fact that years ago when he got saved, I mean, he was a newborn Christian, no one ever... When you talked to Julian, when you came to know him, you never dreamed that he could play the drums. All of a sudden, he got in his heart and in his mind, I'm going to learn to play the drums so I can serve the Lord. He's not out trying to get some gig somewhere with a band. He wants to serve the Lord with it. And he learned to play the drums and now plays the drums in our church. Many of you, you never dreamed that you could teach a a Sunday school class or you could teach children's church. You never dreamed that could be part of your life. But now it is because, you know, what, brothers and sisters, God is into bringing us into new things so that we can be all that he wants us to be. We can work for the kingdom and put our, our efforts and our time and our talents and our abilities and even the things that we don't think we can do into the kingdom of God so others can come along and they can also come into the kingdom. Ecclesiastes, this is a wonderful verse of scripture, Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and verse 10 says this, we're going to end up in 1 Peter, so let me just read this one. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. I appreciate so much the fact that we have people around who will work and they'll labor, they'll teach children's church. Then then some of those same people we call for a day of work here in the building of cleaning and all of that. And and all of a sudden people they're coming through the door and they're what am I what do I do? Tell me what to do. And you give them something to do and they say, Nah, I don't know about that. No, they don't do that. You give them something to do, and then they go and they do it with all their heart, all their soul, all their mind. They're doing it for the Lord, not because somebody asked them to do. 
They're scrubbing the windows. They're scrubbing the walls. They're vacuuming the floors. They're doing all of these things. And it's not just sort of this wipe once, looks good enough. You know, you know the kind of job sometimes we do in our own houses. <laughs> yeah, good enough. Oh, that's how we men clean. Sorry. I, I should, ladies, I, I don't want to offend you. I, you're the cleaners. Uh, we had somebody in our house the other day said, oh, so clean. I said, yeah, that's her. <laughs> you know, I pointed to my wife. Yeah, that's her. She's the cleaner. And, you know, but you, no, it's not this half-hearted kind of thing. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. It might. If you have been given a lesson to teach and to prepare for in children's church, you go at it with all your might. You prepare for it with all your heart. You give because you need to invest in those children that are sitting there listening to the Word. There is a passage of Scripture that I have gone to time and time again that encourages us to do the work that God wants us to do because he's the one who has supplied what is needed to get it accomplished. Turn over to 1 Peter, and I'm going to close with this. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 and 11. The Bible says this. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 and 11. God has given, uh, uh, excuse me, God has given gifts to each of you from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Manage them well so that God's generosity can flow through you. Notice that, that God wants to flow through you. Are you called to be a speaker? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Are you called to help others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Notice that. Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then God will be given glory in everything through Jesus Christ. All glory and power belong to him forever and ever. Amen. Do it with what God supplies. Listen, you might not feel as though you have anything to offer. You might not feel as though you have the ability to rise up and do some of the things that maybe need to be done. But I'm here to let you know today that it's not all in you necessarily, but it's something that God is going to supply and put into you. It is something that's gonna God's going to make you and cause you to become, but we have to be available. We have to wake up and get to work. We have to get to work. There is so much to be done for the kingdom. Where you live, where you work, the people that you meet on a regular basis, there is so much to be done for the kingdom of God. God desires for each and every one of us that we would wake up and that we would obey the word of the Lord and that we would not just hear it, not just somehow obey it in daily life, but obey it to the point where we would work for him to have an impact on the world that we are living in. I want us to stand together this morning.